When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dan Snow's History. How is everybody doing out there? Staying socially distanced, I hope. That's a weird thing to wish on anyone. Uh, two months ago, the biggest problem facing us all, of course, was staying inside, isolation, not getting enough exercise. Now we're urging people to pursue that path. Times change. Historians knew that it would. Uh, this podcast is brilliant. This began, this story, with the discovery of some extraordinarily rare and valuable coins dating from Alexander the Great's brief reign in the 4th century BC. These coins were found off the Gaza Strip, one of the most troubled, contentious pieces of territory in the world. It's been under blockade from Israel for years. Fishermen found these coins. Then in a twist, surprisingly, very similar coins turned up in a London auction house. The BBC producer Sarah Say got on the case working alongside her producer in Gaza, Hazim Balusha. I was lucky enough to talk to both of these two about this remarkable case. If you Google Alexander the Great Coins BBC, you can watch the extraordinary content they produced using all the latest tricks of technology, a wonderful way of delivering history and current affairs content to people. Go and check that out. Um, if you want to support History Hit, should you be minded to do so, we'd be very grateful. The best way is to become a subscriber. Subscribe to History Hit TV. You get all of our back catalogue of podcasts exclusively. They're not available anywhere else in the world. They're only available on there. You also get hundreds of history documentaries. It's like Netflix for history. If you use the code POD1, you get a free month. And then you get the first month for just one pound, euro or dollar. So that's a pretty sweet deal. We'd be enormously excited to have you on board. We're growing all the time. And uh, we're getting more and more ambitious. So here, everyone, is Sarah Say, the producer of this BBC project. Thanks very much for coming on the show. This is an amazing story. Thank you for inviting. When did you find out about this? How did you find out about it? So I was freelancing with BBC Arabic and this young historian came to the BBC with a pitch and she really wanted to do a story about heritage sites in Gaza, more specifically endangered heritage sites in Gaza and the various threats, mainly because of the siege and, and sort of ongoing sanctions. I think most of us were quite surprised by this because it's not really the first thing you think about when you think of Gaza. And so we started to look into the, to the story. We were trying to work out a way into the story. And while we were doing some research, we heard from an archaeologist in France called Professor Bouzou, who, who actually features in our project. And he told us that some fishermen had found a hoard of ancient coins from the time of Alexander the Great just off the coast of Gaza. In fact on the site of an ancient city called Anthedon. He also sent us a link to an auction house in London who had, six months after the reports from Gaza, had sold the same type of coin for £100,000. 
And so when we got those two bits of information, we thought this is a, this is a way into the story. Right. So we'll put, let me just part the journalism because that's very exciting for one second. Tell me about the coins. Tell me about Alexander the Great because people forget he actually campaigned right down the eastern coast of the Mediterranean. Huge sieges. How, do we have any idea how the coins might have got there? The coins that the fishermen found, first of all, were the, the hoard of coins they found were um, from the time of Alexander the Great. Most of the coins were quite common tetradrams, which were a relatively common trading coin at the time of Alexander the Great and are commonly seen in auction houses. But amongst those coins were dozens of Alexander the Great decadrams, which are much bigger silver coins, pure silver coins, about 42 grams. And it wasn't just one fishermen or even one group of fishermen that found these coins. It was multiple groups of fishermen over a period of time. So we don't know exactly how many coins were found. But having spoken to people on the ground, we've heard tens, even as many as 70 of these Alexander the Great decadrams. And to put that into into context, the largest hoard of these coins ever found previously was in 1973 in Babylon, which is uh, modern day southern Iraq. And in that hoard, there was eight Alexander the Great decadrams. And in total, there are only 12 Alexander the Great decadrams officially recorded or known of. So the fact that there were dozens, maybe as many as 70 found in Gaza, makes this an exceptionally significant archaeological find in Gaza. The 12 coins that were found in and around Babylon were all found in and around Babylon. And so what so many of them were doing a thousand miles away in Gaza is quite intriguing. So we spoke to experts and archaeologists and we told them about these reports from Gaza. And we said, you know, what do you make of this? Um, They were all very intrigued because, as I said, all the other known coins of this type were found in Babylon, which is actually where these coins were minted, I think, shortly before Alexander the Great died. Um, okay, so they're minted just just before Alexander the Great dies. I think he dies in Babylon, doesn't he? I think. So what are a whole load of them, record numbers are doing in the sea off Gaza? That's mad. Well, just to kind of give you a little bit more context around the coins themselves, the historians that we spoke to said that because so few have been found, they assume that not many were actually minted, unlike the tetradrams, which were which made up the main bulk of the hoard where many of them were found, and those are assumed to have been sort of common trading coins. And so some of the theories are that these were maybe minted to commemorate some sort of event. And so I think they assume that they were made to commemorate an event and handed out to high-ranking officials in the army. Like Um, the Brexit coin, limited (laughs) edition. Exactly. And so they think they were probably handed out to commemorate the conquering of the Persian Empire. So that's one of the theories. So then a whole load of them show up in Gaza and we asked some archaeologists what they think they were doing in Gaza and their response was generally, well, it's hard for us to know because as archaeologists, we need to be able to go to a site. See the context. See the context. We need to be able to see the composition of the hoard itself. We need to know exactly where it was found. So much of, of, so much information that could help to tell that story is lost like whether or not it looks like they sort of fell off the back of a ship or whether it looked like they were buried intentionally Um, and so they were found about 20 meters out to sea so one potential theory is maybe they came in on a ship from ancient Greece going out to Gaza to pay some high-ranking officials stationed in Gaza. Uh, What about what about okay I've got a theory Alexander, Ptolemy stole Alexander's body, taking it back to Egypt. 
It's on a ship. They're going on the coast from Gaza to get to that to go over Sinai Desert on the way to Alexandria, and they drop some overboard. As good as any. Possibly, <laughs> possibly. I mean, I would. I'd love to hear different people's ideas. Get and in theories. touch. Everybody. <laughs> We, um, we spoke to a number of people and they actually reminded us that the coast is actually eroding in Gaza. So 20 metres out to sea over 2,000 years ago was probably land, which then means that the coins were probably intentionally buried. And apparently if an archaeologist finds a hoard buried, they assume that there must have been some sort of conflict, whether or not it was a dispute with a neighbour and you just want to kind of hide your most prized possessions because you feel that they might, you know, they might want to come and take them or whether it's a bigger conflict, maybe it's an invading force, but, you know, you decide you want to bury your, your items because you want to flee and then come back at a later date to retrieve them. There's plenty of conflict to decide so, between in that part of the world yeah. over the so, last two and a half thousand years. Well, I mean, that's the, you know, that's for historians to, to answer. I mean, what was going on in Gaza? 2,300 years ago, what conflict might it have been that would have provoked someone to bury a, a massive horde of really um There was a gigantic items. series of successor wars after Alexander the Great died. That could be then. But anyway, it could be lots of things. So why, but why, is, why did you produce such a fantastic bit of journalism about this? Because it wasn't just the finding of the coins. What, what happened from then on? So obviously we got these reports from Gaza and then Six months after the reports, so the reports came in spring 2017, that's when the majority of this hoard was found. Six months after that, you have the sale of this £100,000 coin in London. And what's interesting about it is this coin has never been seen before and there's no provenance or, or no verifiable or detailed provenance attached to this coin. You don't have to do that. You are, actually. There is no law saying that you have to publish provenance. Um, I mean, it adds value to, a, to, an, to an item. Um, so it's kind of assumed that if you have that information, you would publish it. Um, but there are legitimate reasons why you might not, why a, a consigner might ask you not to publish any information around it. So it's, it's not illegal, but it's very unusual with exceptionally rare coins. I mean, you do find it with coins quite a lot because it's quite difficult sometimes to establish the provenance. I said there was 12 of these coins officially recorded and so, I mean, they're well documented um, and to people within that industry and to people that know about coins, these coins stand out. One appeared in, in, in September 2017, but then in the next two years, 19 altogether end up going on sale across auction houses in the UK, the US and Europe. All of them never seen before. So we spoke to... to they weren't part of this well-known and documented 12. All of them had very weak levels of provenance or, or no provenance at all attached to them. And so that gave us cause to, to sort of look into those. Kinds. And what were you looking into? What, what, are there crimes that may have been committed? Or, <clears throat> is there just um, irregularities? Or, or is this, a, is this a, a story about what happens... And, and who benefits when these discoveries are made in war-torn uh, and, in this case, blockaded parts of the world? Well, I mean, what we were trying to establish was whether or not these coins being sold in auction houses were from the Gaza hoard. That's what we were trying to establish. And we struggled. We struggled in being able to establish that because we found that, first of all, the first place you go to to try and find out where something's from is the auction catalogues themselves. And since none of them were publishing any origin of these coins, we kind of 
hit a dead end there. And we, we got in touch with the auction houses and we asked them and they all came back to us and said, we can only publish what the consigner gave us the permission to publish or the information the consigner gave us. When we asked them, could you tell us who the consigner was? No, we can't for confidentiality reasons. Okay, fair enough. So then we go on to the next thing, try and look into import licenses that might have been issued for these items coming into the country in the time frame that we were interested in. So we made an application for, for those through the Freedom of Information Act and, and that was rejected for data protection reasons. What would be the crime in this case? Um, is, is it illegal to import coins so, or antiquities? I mean, there's a whole web of, of laws around the world, um, but I, I guess the most famous one is UNESCO 1970, and that's generally seen as a watershed period. So anything that's newly found since that time is generally considered illegal to trade. They need to be handed in to the authorities or the, or the Ministry of Antiquities in various countries. So you're not allowed to trade in anything that's newly found. Right. Um, and the problem is that when you're dealing with items that may well have come from, from countries where they might have been looted and smuggled out, then they're generally looted and smuggled without the authorities knowing about them. And so they didn't even know they existed, so they're not able to make a claim for them. That is so, it's so sad that a historical treasure trove, um, a hoard of this importance could be found and then just scattered to the wind. So presumably not, none of them remain in Gaza. So the, 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 the stories you heard in Gaza is whispers of these discoveries. Uh, do any of the coins remain behind in Gaza at all? I don't know. We know that from the, the, the people that we spoke to on the ground, we know that there was lots of attempts to, to sell these items and to get them out. And there was actually multiple reports in mainly the Israeli press um, that was reporting on having seized coins at the Gaza-Israel border. And there was, I think there was three reports that came out for major seizures of, of these coins, and where, seizures of these coins. And so, but where did they, where did those go? Well, those will be with the Israeli Antiquities Authority. So we do know coins were coming out of Gaza. Who are the victims of this crime? I mean, I, I guess we're you know, like, the people of Gaza, but we're all kind of the victims of this crime in a way, aren't we? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the main victims are obviously the Gazan people. I mean, it's their history. You know, they're, they're losing an opportunity to know their own history. Um, but obviously it's, it's our shared history as well. It's our shared cultural knowledge. We're also losing an opportunity to know another side to Gaza, to know to, you know, it's another piece in the puzzle of what was going on in that region at that time. So we're all the losers. Hi, I'm Matt Lewis, historian and host of a new chapter of the Echoes of History podcast. If you're an Assassin's Creed fan, and like me, want to be prepared for the launch of Assassin's Creed Shadows later this year, join us on Echoes of History as we head to feudal Japan to explore the real-life history that inspired the latest game from this legendary franchise. Learn about Yasuke, the African warrior who entered the trusted circle of Japan's most powerful warlord. Hear accounts of cultures colliding when Portuguese missionaries landed on Japanese shores, and followed Japan's journey through years of division and bitter warfare to unification at the dawn of the modern era. Make sure you catch every episode by following Echoes of History, a Ubisoft podcast brought to you by History Hit, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Is there a boom at the moment going on because of the looting that we hear is going on in Syria? little bit in Egypt after Mubarak fell, we, there was looting going on there. Libya is this, is this a is this a particularly busy time for people that are looking to trade and smuggle these objects? Um, what I can say to that is I don't I don't really know the full extent of that, but what I can say to that is that there's definitely been more attempts made to tighten up regulations, which would suggest that there is an issue. I mean, the EU just last year brought in a new law to try and sort of plug the gaps across the across the EU um, because, you know, of, of just the kind of inconsistencies in the laws and, and there being some sort of weak spots that people were able to take advantage of. And so there is a kind of Europe-wide law that's come into place and that's very much to try and prevent illicit items coming into the EU. I find this whole, I find the idea of owning antiquities so bizarre. But I, and, and also what if it's like a little iceberg, it's like a shark's fin. You, you get, if something gets found... It briefly gets on public display in an auction house, and then it could disappear forever because there's no there's no legal regulatory requirement for them to sort of check in, going, "Oh yeah, by the way, I've got a piece of Napoleon's crown here," and it's because it, so they could chuck it in the bin or do whatever they like with it. Yeah, it's amazing. And these these items just end up just being these kind of orphaned objects that are just kind of sat there and and often with no stories attached to them, and you know, it's kind of. They are valuable in and of themselves, but it's when you kind of know the context and where they were found, you know, that's when they really come alive. Well, um, thank you for trying. Thank you for hunting this story down. Is it ongoing? I, well, how can people, you've, you've done some amazing technology work with it as well. So how can people uh, look at it in, in a really new way? We decided to use a sort of interactive format to, to present this story um, I'm lucky enough to have been working with BBC Arabic digital documentaries, which are which are quite innovative and and up for experimenting with formats. And I think when we were doing this story, we didn't know exactly how we were going to present it when we started. But when we were doing the story, we realised that the investigation itself was part of the story, and and we wanted to allow the audience to be able to go on that journey with us and to be able to look in more detail at the the documents that we came across or the photographs and so we took this interactive online project that sort of looks like an investigation wall and you're in the in the position of the investigative journalist um, going through the story and it's it's quite long for an online project but I think there's an appetite for long form. I've been all the way through it it was great (laughs) and how can people get hold of it? 
It's uh, online, it's on the BBC website. If you type in BBC Treasure Hunters Gaza, you'll find it. Treasure Hunters Gaza. Um, there's also a documentary version on iPlayer if you have any trouble being able to access the digital project. Well, thank you very much for coming and telling us about it. Thank you very much for having me. Well, that was Sarah Sayers. You can hear a remarkable story. But I wanted to talk to Hazem Belusha. He actually works in Gaza. I wanted to get a sense of, of what that discovery was like in Gaza, talking to those fishermen, uh, and also what conditions are like in Gaza now, particularly for people interested in, in history uh, and heritage preservation. Hazem, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Tell me, were you the one who, who found, uh, you know, who did the hard work on this story in, in, in terms of talking to these these fishermen in Gaza. How did you hear about it? Well, first of all, it's the BBC idea. It's, it wasn't my idea myself. Um, the BBC approached me and uh, offered me this job and told me about the story. Actually, before I heard it from BBC, I haven't heard of, the th- of that thing before. Uh, I didn't know that Gaza had coins from um, Alexander the Great time. Um, but uh, I did the research in the beginning. Um, I met different people. I, I met fishermen, different fishermen, um, some dealers, um, uh, police, um, minister of antiquities. So I learned a lot about this from the different sources that I have met. Are you, are you in Gaza full time? Yes, I am. Can you give us a sense of what it is like in Gaza at the moment, operating and trying to make these kind of, uh, the, these kind of programs? Well, Gaza is 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 uh, under blockade um, for about fourteen years now since Hamas took over, or when the election in two thousand and six, Israel is imposing uh, clutter on 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 Gaza from the border, the sea, and the sky. Um, it's barely um, people barely able to leave through um, uh, the crossing between Egypt and Gaza. A few limited number of of passengers allowed every day. Um, there is individual crossings between Gaza and Israel. Not all the people are allowed to cross. Um, they need a long, uh, processed, uh, permits from the Israeli side to be allowed to. Economical situation, it is very difficult here. Um, there is a huge recession, um, because of the blockade, because of the division between the Palestinian Authority based in the West Bank and the um, ruling, uh, Gaza, Hamas, uh, uh, authorities, um, that has impact on, on, on the daily basis of life. There, there is ongoing crisis related to electricity, water supplies, drinking water, pollution, environmental issues. Um, these have consequences on the social life of people and mental as well. When you're talking to people and, and coins are discovered, antiquities are discovered, do, do people have the time, do people have the bandwidth to care about Gaza's past? Or did, was this, is this kind of generally regarded as a bit of a distraction from the pressing problems that you face? Well, I mean, ordinary people don't don't pay that much attention to this. People they care about their daily uh, basis life, um, how to feed the mouthies, how to find work, how how to get cooking gas when there is shortage, how to sustain the electricity because of the power cut. So that that is like pressing the people, as you said, as you just said. Uh, and, and, and making people not to think and giving these antiquities and the history, um, that much attention. 
I mean, people here are like uh, under pressure, ongoing pressure. I mean, people don't 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 pay that much attention to the antiquities or history. Of course, it is important for Palestinians in general, but ordinary people they think about their daily life, um, their um, how how to sustain their life. So, so, do you think the situation Gaza finds itself in is is fertile ground for perhaps unethical trade and, and removal of antiquities from from the Gaza Strip? Well, it's it's very complicated here. I mean, it's not an excuse for anybody um, to 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 uh, to remove or to smuggle or um, you know like to end the history of of Gaza or of the Palestinians' history in Gaza. Um, but I mean, it's it's a complex of issues. It's different. As like I mentioned earlier, like you know, the the. The division is deep in this, um, the situation here and getting it more worse. Um, uh, the government is busy of, of sustaining its power, Hamas authority, I mean, here. So um, the antiquities and history is the least um, uh, among of these uh, interests and, and priorities. I mean, like it's not a, prior- a priority in, in, in Gaza for the people. Um, so that gave people, you know, like green people, let me say, dealers, um, how to use this and, and, and to buy from those poor people what they have found or collected, um, you know, by chance sometimes, um, and they sell them out. They, they want to get richer. Uh, I mean, those fishermen, even those fishermen who found the coins uh, specifically, they didn't know how valuable these coins were um, when they found them. So that's why they sold them with a very um, humble prices. Uh, tell me about talking to those fishermen. What, what was it like? How did they start? How did they come across these coins? There were t- two types of, of, of coins, the tetradrums and, and uh, decadrums. You know, tetradrums were found in Gaza, I mean, like um, a few years ago. Um, according to, to those fishermen and other people that I talked to. So, but, um, there was a storm in, in, in the sea and uh, in, t- in 2017. And, and some fishermen started to find some bigger coins, as they call them, the digitrons. And, um, they started to talk to each other, you know, like, guys, why shouldn't we go and, and dig and find things? Because there are some people are interested of this and they want to buy them. So they kept digging for a very short period of time. I mean, where they found them, like they, they mentioned like about 10 days to two weeks, you know, where, they found these coins, the ticket runs, I mean. And the collectors and the dealers, they, they were coming to the beach asking every day if they found anything and um, they are willing to buy. So they they understood that there are some people who were interested. So that made or motivated them to um, to keep digging and, and, and looking for these coins. Is it Was it surprising to, to people that these priceless, very rare Alexander the Great coins were found in Gaza? Well, the reaction in Gaza, especially after the documentary was, was published, I mean, people surprised. Um, most of the people didn't know about it. 
um, uh, like me. I mean, before I worked in this, I didn't know about that. And there were like a lot of talks in the local media among people uh, somehow who watched the film. Even on, on, on the official level, they, there were some investigations. I don't know how serious um, these investigations were, but I mean, at least the film motivated some of the interest of some parties of the people. Well, Hazem, thank you very much indeed for coming on the podcast and giving us the view from Gaza. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, everyone, that is the remarkable story of the coins found off the coast of Gaza. And, of course, some similar coins that were sold in London. We just want to make it clear. We just want to make it absolutely clear. None of the experts and none of the historians the BBC consulted were able to match the photos of the coins by the fishermen with the Alexander decadrams put up for sale in auction houses around the world. And whilst none of the auction houses who sold the coins were able to tell the BBC where the coins came from, sometimes for privacy reasons, they told the BBC they had no reason to suspect the origin of these coins. Thanks for listening, everyone. I feel we had the history on our shoulders. All this tradition of ours, our school history, our songs, this part of the history of our country, all were gone and finished and liquidated. One child, one teacher, one book and one pen can change the world. Tells us what is possible, not just in the pages of history books, but in our own lives as well. I have faith in you. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Just before you go, a bit of a favour to ask. I totally understand if you don't want to become a subscriber or pay me any cash money. Makes sense. But if you could just do me a favour, it's for free. Go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. If you give it a five-star rating and give it an absolutely glowing review, purge yourself, give it a glowing review. I'd really appreciate that. It's a tough world out there. Law of the jungle out there. And uh, I need all the fire support I can get. So that will boost it up the charts. It's so tiresome. But if you could do it, I'd be very, very grateful. Thank you. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dan Snow's History. Please follow this show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us, and you'll be doing us a big favor. Don't forget, you can also listen to all of these podcasts ad-free and watch hundreds of TV documentaries when you subscribe at historyhit.com slash subscribe. As a special gift, you can also get your first three months for just £1 a month when you use code DANSNOW at checkout.